Welcome to the M2 Podcast. This is episode three of season three now. Yeah. And uh, this is the show where we basically cover week review of any esports personalities, some technology and innovation, gaming industry related news, and uh, new and upcoming games. I'm your host, Mad Mike, and my co-host is Mr. J.K. Heath. Hello, hello. And Kyle, uh, what do you got for us today? Well, um, I just realized I didn't have the other scene on, but that's fine, because we're diving right in. Um, first article I got this week uh, is in regards to the Stream Deck pedal that Elgato just launched. Um, piece of hardware essentially is a foot pedal with three different buttons on it uh, that allow you to control anything this Stream Deck can control itself. And um, This launches at a price tag of $89.99. It's definitely a premium product, a premium stream pedal. Um, there's, it's, it is called the Stream Deck pedal, but there's obviously many more applications this has um, than just live streaming. They even go into detail on some of the blog posts they have about using it for video editing or any sort of content creation or just having a macro pedal in general is nice for just everyday tasks on a computer um, in certain aspects. So um, they just announced this, but along with this, they're also adding an official Discord plugin for the Stream Deck which is something fans who have owned Stream Decks for a while have been asking for. Um, up until now, it's really just been using a hotkey to mute and unmute your Discord or deafen or whatever you're trying to do. And it was essentially just a toggle. And now it is a single button that is natively integrated with Discord, so you don't have to worry about hotkeys or anything. It is just embedded on the Stream Deck and ready to go. Um, pretty interesting stuff. I've had a Stream Deck now myself for a few years. So it is great to see that feature. Um, but the Stream Deck pedal is also very interesting, I think, in its own right. Um, what are your thoughts on something like this, Mike? Do you think you would use a Stream Deck pedal? Personally, me? No. No, I wouldn't use it. I mean, I'm not a, a professional streamer like that. And I, I have hotkeys on my keyboard that I'm just so used to and accustomed to. But don't get me wrong. It definitely makes everything easier. Just for my personal like setup and system that I use, is uh, I wouldn't really use it. Yeah. But what about you? Um, personally, for me, I think this is a product that um, kind of... I really like the idea of this, and I even thought about this at one point about just getting like a standard, just, I guess, foot pedal in general that's like 20 bucks on Amazon, because I believe there are USB ones you can hook up to your PC and use it in a similar fashion. This obviously has three more buttons, so it's a little more versatile. There's more stuff you can do with it, but um, I don't know. This is very interesting to me. It's something I may consider um, at some point myself, just to have the ability to, especially when you're live streaming, um, having to sit there and game and then reach over and press a button. If you're on keyboard and mouse, it isn't so bad, but if you're on controller especially, having to like reach from under the desk and then click a button and then put back, it's just it's kind of a hassle, um, especially if you have to do it a lot. So having a pedal is certainly going to be more convenient for stuff like that. And um, I think streamers, especially console streamers, will get a lot of use out of it. You know, I didn't really think about that aspect of it. It is a total pain in the butt when you're like, you're trying to do something on your OBS or even Discord muting back and forth and you have to put down the controller. Yeah. Like I, I know um, a couple of my clips when I get stuff like on PC and I'm using a controller for whatever reason. I have to do, I think I have the Windows game bar is like the easiest one that I have. So I'm like over here like, uh, I think the shortcut is Windows, Windows key Alt G and then it clips the last 30 to a minute. Mm -hmm. Or you can do like Windows G and then grab your mouse real quick and like try to select it <laughs> while you're like controller sitting in your lap. So, you know, this actually is a pretty good idea, but I know you were most excited about the actual plugin that goes for Discord. Yeah, um, um, I think, and the reason I think I am so excited about it is one, like I mentioned, I have a Stream Deck, so this is instantly usable for me, and I don't have to worry about buying a product. Um, yeah. But I think it's just, it affects a wider audience because more people have the Stream Deck than, of course, this pedal, um, or maybe any sort of foot pedal. They, they already have that hardware, so just integrating this, it's a completely free plugin that you just download, and I even set it up today on my Stream Deck, and um, I have the different mutes and the deafens, and um, it also gives you the option, as you can see, to either join voice channels or switch to specific text channels at just the click of a button. Um, that's also really cool. I don't know how much use I'll personally get out of that. 
Um, but it is nice just to be able to click a button, not even have to go to the Discord page, and it just joins the channel. Um, and leaving, again, is the same thing. You just click the button, it exits out, and you don't have to worry about mousing over or tabbing out to leave a Discord. So pretty cool stuff there. There's also push-to-talk functionality as well as a push to push and hold to mute. So if you have to, like, it's like almost a cough button in a sense, so you don't have to flood your teammates' ears with coughing and oh. sneezing. You just hold it and then let go, and you don't have to worry about unmuting or wondering if you did unmute, that type of thing. Do they have any... Uh, well, the plugin is absolutely great. My mm-hmm. question is, is, does it have to... Do you have to use the stream deck? The whole time the elgato official stream deck or can you use any other type of device as far as i know this is a native app that is only built for stream deck so um there are competitors to the stream deck um i have seen software wise i don't know how good they are i mean i haven't yeah. been following them closely considering I, mean, I think the stream deck's a wonderful piece of hardware um it's just a macro board essentially but it really um bumps the convenience factor um I think if anyone stream up, if they decide to get one. So this is, as far as I know, though, only compatible with the Elgato Stream Deck. Yeah, I mean, it's a really good opportunity for uh, really creative, like entertaining based streamers. Yeah. So like people that just really want to put on a show like the and you're only a one man crew and you don't have an extra hand. Right. I think this would be a. This definitely has some of its uses. Yeah. So I mean, so they announced it, and it's already available immediately. You don't have to wait for it. Yeah. Typically, that's one thing I always love about Elgato is when they when they announce something, it's same day. It's out. Like that's generally they don't wait. That's um. That's pretty convenient. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's that's their whole marketing is when they announce a new product, it's available that day, and they also have embargoes with all like the popular tech YouTubers, so they'll all get their hands on it a week early, get time to test it, and then all the videos for the product post the same day it launches. So you can go see a video and then there's links in the descriptions right to the page where you can buy it. That's just... That's... Yep. That's, okay, that makes sense. That's how you do it. Um, it's... Yeah, it, it's really... They, they plan that stuff very thoroughly and it, it's, you can tell. Um, yeah, so it's available today for eighty nine ninety nine for the for the hardware pedal. I think the regular Stream Deck is... It was 150 at one point. It might still be. Um, you can also find it um, at multiple times throughout the year at a discount. I think I got mine at like 100 I was like $50 off. There's also a smaller, um, I have the 15-key stream deck. There's also a smaller 6-key stream deck. I believe that's like 80 Um, Don't quote me on that. But um, there's also a stream deck XL that's, I think, 30 keys on one panel. That, oh, my that, gosh. It's $250 for that thing. It's a big boy. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I think the biggest, the biggest can... Well, not necessarily convenience, but I think one of the coolest features of the Stream Deck is the fact that they have multi-action functions. So, again, like you were saying, for content creators that really go all out with their content and want to do multiple different scenes and transitions, um, multi-action makes that possible without having to click 50 buttons. You can click just one button, and then it'll execute, I think, up to like 10 or 15 actions um, subsequently after you click it. So it's great for the content creator that is looking to do some extravagant production. Yeah, I can think of uh, a couple of people that I've seen that are just, at least in the Halo like Twitch channel uh, category. I, I know a couple of people that go head and shoulders above everybody else with their transitions. Yeah, they're like sometimes too much, but I could see them just like acting like it's a double bass pedal on a drum set, mm-hmm. <laughs> like going back and forth. Yeah. Um. I I also saw a couple of creators. They made videos on the product. They were talking about what's what kind of comes in the box and they include springs as well um and what's nice about this is you can screw off the back panel the back metal panel and if you screw that off you can adjust the tension of each pedal so say you feel like it's too light you can add specific springs and that'll tighten it up so if you want to like rest your foot on it but not necessarily touch it um you can adjust that tension to make it tight um so you don't you have to put more pressure on the button to press it um which is really good i think for like heavier feet um yeah Definitely. So they really, I, I can tell they really took some time and thought this through and have most of the use cases hammered out. Um, depending I'm on curious. The uh, <clears throat> do they mention what it's made out of? 
If it's like some type it of is, polymer or uh, metal? I don't, not that I saw. I would assume it's probably some type of plastic polymer. Um, I know the mat, again, like I said, the metal, there is a metal back plate on it uh, to support it. But um, I believe it's a plastic of some sort. Yeah, I mean, Elgato for the last couple of years seems to be pushing into every bit of hardware. Yeah. Like, in that picture alone, I think... So they got an Elgato mic as well. Oh, yeah, it's the Wave. It looks like an Elgato mic. The Wave yeah. 3, I think it's called. Yeah, probably... El and Elgato now has um, the ring lights. Yeah, they have... Um, the ring have the lights. capture cards, of course. Yeah, square lights. Their capture cards is kind of what got them on the, on the map, really. Um, also attached to the spike, I believe this is the, the multi-mount, or I know it's some, certainly the arm that they have. Um, but they also have, they have some pretty cool gadgets, like the, the multi-mount that you can put into the wall, and it has different pieces, so you can really customize the length and how you want um, either your camera or your mic that's hanging from the wall to point and interact. Um, they, but it's Elgato, I think, I... It's you can interpret this good or bad, but I think Elgato is certainly like the apple of streaming products right now. Um, and it's kind of just like you know they they have uh, they always come out with really good quality products. Um, I don't think most of them are overpriced necessarily. Um, some people might, but they certainly have a uh, they're certainly dominating the streamer market right now. There's not too much else competing. Maybe like Avermedia yeah. and a couple others, but they're certainly the the biggest yeah i mean there's a I, I i've never used an elgato product before all i did when i bought my capture card was do like a, a side by side comparison of one obviously the price point but the other one was just like hardware and like capabilities of the device and elgato was kind of lacking a little bit in comparison to the equivalent avermedia and this is, this is the 4K 60p one that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. But the problem was is uh, Avermedia cost more. Yeah. So I, I got it on a deal, which made it basically a bargain. So I think Elgato is probably reasonably priced. But yeah. their marketing is obviously good, like you, like you said, with the content creators. Let's mm -hmm. just give them free devices and probably do some type of payment. Yeah, and then that's free advertisement for like ever. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like they, as long as the video's up, right? I mean, they they know the modern day market well, which is why I think they've succeeded as well as they yeah. have, especially in the streamer space. You know, because it's all the internet. Yeah, they seem pretty active on socials too. So yeah, they know what they're doing. Yeah, I've also heard. Um, I've also heard too that their I guess their creator um correspondent that oftentimes goes out and talks with the creators and actually gets feedback um I, I hear they actually have someone really good working there that you know actually cares and really puts in work with you know taking time with creators and really taking in feedback so they uh they know what they're doing that is for sure yeah, good for them man that is pretty much it for the uh stream deck next story we have is going to be about uh lucas Lucasfilm Games putting out a uh, an announcement this week that there are three new Star Wars titles in the works with Respawn Entertainment. Um, this is coming from Andrew Webster at The Verge, um, where I got this article. Uh, the studio will be making, I guess, an untitled Star Wars first-person shooter. Um, it's party partnering with Bitreactor, which has some former devs from the XCOM studios, to work on a strategy game, Star Wars strategy game, and then... They are, um, I think it's a Star Wars strategy game, the FPS game, and it was a third title um, they're also working on. And there's really no info on these games other than, you know, they're just being worked on. But um, they just certainly didn't go into much detail <clears throat> in the articles. Uh, they just said they're coming. So it should be pretty interesting. They always, they always do say that. So Respawn's... Uh... So Respawn, Ubisoft, is it Ubisoft or Ubisoft? I've heard two people pronounce it. Yeah, I've always like said... two different ways of pronouncing it. I've heard Ubisoft. I mean, that's the way I say it. Yeah, I, I've heard That's both, the way I've said it. Ubisoft yeah. is the way I've always said it. Um, yeah, I think yeah. it's a... I mean, it has a lot of potential. I mean, if it's Respawn, right, you would think it's going to be first-person shooter. 
Yeah. Um, but how would that work if everybody wants to be a Jedi or Sith? It's true. I'm very uh, curious to see how they're going to play that. Um, the third game, it just came to me. The third game is actually a sequel to Fallen Order. Very successful 2019 oh. um, story game that they came out with. And it kind of, that game almost came out after, well, it did come out after the whole loot box scenario of Battlefront. Um, and yeah. I, I think everyone was like, you know, they're just in it for the money. And so they decided, I, I think originally they thought single player wouldn't work. And then they put out that game and then it proved that it worked. So um, they're doing a sequel to that as well. Nice. I, I love story driven content like that. Yeah. Um, we're missing that in a lot of good games. Right. I think with Star Wars, I mean, I th the last time I was like truly excited for a new Star Wars game, and thankfully Electronic Arts isn't making them anymore, but when EA did buy them, I mean, hindsight 2020 is what I mean. When they did buy them, I was super excited about uh, Battlefront 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be a sequel very similar to the original Battlefront 2, which I got actually somewhere down here. Yeah, it's literally on the shelf over here behind mm -hmm. me. Nice. And I love that game. And I was hoping for the same exact thing, but I don't know what happened. I think it was like a, uh, a, a quality issue, you know, like, like they're trying to make everything look amazing, but they didn't really concentrate on the content itself. So hopefully we get some type of like big battle, like galactic war going on. Um, I'd be down for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Fallen Order was a great game. I played it last year um, for the first time, and I, I didn't know if I was going to be a fan of like the Souls-esque style of game, like Dark Souls, because that game is very much in that vein. Um, but it was still fun. I enjoyed it. Um, I even played it on a harder difficulty, which I regretted like <laughs> immensely, especially like, you know, only a few hours in, but still a great game. And I really am looking forward to the second one. Um, there is the article uh, on the verge does go on to describe. There are currently two other star Wars titles that are actually in development with different studios right now. Um, so although they are coming back um, to respawn to develop these three titles, um, they, there is a current Ubisoft Star Wars game that was announced early last year that is going to be open world. We don't have, again, hardly any details on that. Sounds super exciting. I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with that. There's also Quantum Quantic Dream. Quantum Dream. Quantic Dream is coming out with a story. As far as I'm aware, it's an action-adventure story-based style Star Wars game. Uh, Star Wars Eclipse, I think it's called. It's actually links to the article. Yeah, Star Wars Eclipse. Um, it is made by the same people that made Heavy Rain and Detroit Become Human, which are type of story games that I love. And so they're yeah. making that as well. Yeah, that should be good. It says it's set in the High Republic era. Um, hundreds of years before the Skywalker saga. Yeah, the golden That's... age of the Jedi Order and Republic. Man, I gotta tell you, I love it when... So, like, the Star Wars universe has so much, like, lore behind it. So like I don't I'm not too in depth with like the Star Wars fandom when it goes like that far deep into the lore. But what's cool about it is and what I know about it is that the fans created most of the lore. And having games that actually delve into that where it's not really put in this box of what it has to be because of like the movies. It can just be in the universe and everybody can just kind of accept, okay, this is a new story. Like take it take it how it is, you know. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for that. Yeah, I think this time period for for a Star Wars game is going to be very interesting, especially in Quantic Dreams style of game. So, yes, very excited for that. Um, but I'm also just excited for the sequel to Fallen Order. I think it's going to be good. I, I I'm curious to see where they're going to take that story. So, big big things if you're a Star Wars fan coming out. There's uh, I think some really good titles on the horizon, which I know for a long time. Star Wars, especially in the gaming sense, um, there really wasn't much going on, and if it was, it was not the best. But we've got some good ones coming up. Cross and fingers, at least. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> so for the best, I mean, a, a follow up to Fallen Order is gonna that should be good. Yeah, I, I mean, I I never, I never played Fallen Order. Fallen Order was one of those games that I actually um, 
just watched playthroughs for mm-hmm. like those hour long playthroughs i watched right. those and i i like watching people play games so mm-hmm. the uh that entire story mode was amazing i kind of want to go into depth about it but i feel like it might spoil it for people just know that they have to go play it or watch it because <laughs> the ending is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Most games are like that for me too. I think a good example of that for me was, um, Oh, was death stranding the Hideo Kojima game that came out 2019. I yeah. Think. That game, when that game came out, I had no interest in playing it, but I remember I was at uh, one of my buddies houses and we were watching streams I think we were watching Lyric play it because he played it like the day it came out. And so we were just sitting on the couch. We spent like three hours watching it and we were like, this shouldn't be entertaining, but it somehow is. <laughs> and so it's like, I could <laughs> yeah. never play this, but I'll watch it all day. It's uh, yeah. So I, I think I, I think I watched XQC do um, the entire like 18 hour run through of the last of us part two or the <laughs> last of us two. Oh, Insane. that guy's a lunatic, but it was, it was entertaining. No. That entire game was amazing. Oh, fantastic. I mean, that game got a lot of heat, but let me tell you, man, it's, it's yeah, in whatever. form of like art and just storytelling. I think, uh, yeah, maybe the last, maybe the last like quarter, not so much, but like, <laughs> I think everything else, it's just still like, it's beautiful to watch. And so that, that was enough for me. I think it's an adventure. Yeah. That's what it's about, man. Yeah. When you, when you play games for the story, it's about the adventure. Yeah, for sure. And sometimes, uh, playing games take a take on a bigger role than themselves i think and that goes on kind of to our next story there's some doctors some scientists um out of england this is coming from sky news um they're creating video games that will help diagnose monitor and treat depression um it's supposed to be used i guess alongside um i guess cognitive treatment uh very interesting stuff uh it's called thymia and it's the first system that offers objectivity and uses several types of data in order to create a really accurate and robust model of depression. Uh, while playing the games, the software analyzes the patient's voice, eye gaze, and micro expressions, as well as behavioral measures, including reaction times, memory, and error rates. Through this, patterns indicative of depression are picked up on, allowing a diagnosis to be made quickly. Um, the program will essentially does this through asking the patient to play simple video games, and then they, um, it has a neuropsychological underpinning and ultimately, it's designed to help measure depressive cues um, in players. So, what do you think about something like this, Mike? You think this is a? I thought this was pretty interesting. I think it's brilliant, man. Because, uh, so like, I think video games ever since the '90s has a really negative connotation about um, mental health in particular. So, like, uh, any type of like depression or something like that or makes kids violent you know those stereotypes that you always hear and like where it gets politicized um this looks like a positive way of looking at video games now that's more of mainstream i mean this is on sky mm-hmm. so sky news is a pretty big deal that's on sky the next bit of it is um i i think i watched a a netflix series or it wasn't netflix i'm confusing it with ted talks uh there was a psychologist that did an entire hour-long ted talk about how video games are actually good for your mental health. And it actually improves people's, um, like, I'm not going to say it got rid of their depression, but it definitely, like, soothed it or uh, mitigated it is probably the better term to use. And about how, like, video games in general, you get dopamine and you get, like, a feeling of gratitude and, like, um, what's it called? accomplishment when you achieve goals that are really difficult in games yeah so i think this is pretty smart about you're basically like quantifying it right with with this new um technology that they're calling is theme what would you say it was it was themia themia yeah themia i don't know i don't know what it's called i didn't go to school for english here yeah i don't (laughs) yeah but they're quantifying it right so you're trying Mm -hmm. to figure out um i wonder how much it can actually cover when it's finished so if you can get like response times and like see the mental of like the gamer and uh i could see like organizations especially like esports utilizing something like this 
with their players. Yeah. Like during or after games, just like before a game comes up, it's like, hey man, you're like your mental right now is impacting your game performance. Like take a break. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. I think there's I think there's certainly other I mean, obviously this is gonna be used hopefully a lot in like the medical field, but yeah, there's other industries that could definitely especially esports, I could really you know, take advantage of this. Um and article also describes that um the reason they're developing the system i guess one of the major reasons is just the existing system is flawed in many ways um gps don't have time existing systems are if you're giving like a subjective questionnaire um to fill out it's oftentimes not the most accurate way of determining how someone um, oh yeah how someone's mental health actually is so um these games are developed um using ai as well so as you play and as it um i guess as it comes more attuned to the to the patient it'll know what to look for and adjust so i mean i think overall this is uh this is very interesting and i'm i'm gonna be really curious to hear more about it i guess if it, uh if it actually breaks into mainstream and in other countries it'll be uh interesting to follow i mean it's a good idea i think uh so games in general right are becoming more and more accepted at least the last like what five six years <laughs> when Fortnite came out, everybody was playing Fortnite, and all of a sudden gaming's cool. Everybody <laughs> wants to be a YouTuber and streamer. So I think this actually would work with our generation's uh, like mental health as like as things like progress in the future. People need to deal with things. It's like it might be a good little transition for some doctors to be like, hey, like play this game, and like we'll analyze the way you're feeling and try to understand it better and how to help people. Yeah. I think it's as a lot of opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I'm so pro video games. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, I am too. Cause like, like you said, I, I definitely think it has a, it just has so many benefits and it's, I mean, it's very engaging for the brain in general. Um, mm -hmm. a lot more so than you know sitting down and watching a show or anything. Ability. I, I absolutely. Think it, I think it just, it trains you not only with reaction time, especially if you're playing like an FPS or, um, any type of shooter, it's it really helps you think about things. Especially if you play like competitively, it really like your decision yeah. making is gonna. It, you're really flexing those skills, and it'll translate to other aspects of life that um will be very beneficial, in my opinion. So, um, something like this. Um, and, and I guess to talk about this a little more, there was uh, I know the article also mentioned. It's going to be a great supplement to say like speech therapy. Um, you know, if someone's going and talk, talking to a therapist, maybe like between sessions. Um, it can help. It can help the therapist know if what if the treatment plan they're going with is actually working, or if they need to make adjustments. And it'll be able to. I think ultimately it'll make those decisions quicker and more efficient, and it'll make treatment a lot more effective in the long run. Um, so, very very interesting stuff. Yeah, it's a good thought. Um, but yeah, I mean, gaming. So, so what do what do we get from this, Mike? I think gaming is good. Huh? That's what I asked. Yeah, saying. I mean, well, this is a gaming podcast, so we are kind of biased, <laughs> aren't we? Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. So apparently, it's the uh, the patient's voice, eye gaze, and micro expressions. Yeah. Yeah. And so... behavioral measures, including reaction times, memory, and error rates. Should... Yeah. There's a little picture here you can see. Um, there's a camera and mic. Tablet. Down. Yeah, it's on a tablet. And of course, the camera's on the tablet, looking at the patient, uh, and also a mic as well. Um, that'll be kind of listening and watching as you play. Um, and I'm assuming it's gonna be. I feel like some of them would be kind of like, um, what's there was like a there was a brain trainer game back then. I forget what it was called, but um, it was like I know little, what you're talking it about. It was little games that you would play that was supposed to help um train your brain and kind of help. Yeah, memory. Play. Yeah. Yeah, memory, reaction time, and a couple other things. Yeah. I forget what it's the called. The advertisements took over YouTube for like months. I know what you're talking yeah. about. But I feel yeah. like this may be kind of in a similar vein in terms of seeing what the brain's capable of. Um yeah, I think that is uh that that is pretty much it. Um the next article I had was about uh is about uh Cypher PK. Do you watch Cypher PK at all, Mike? I do not, but I've heard tons of good things about him. I think I I actually covered him briefly a couple of years ago about uh I think his breakout did he either switch he might have switched to YouTube, right? 
Um, Full time? Did, he's... He did not switch to YouTube. He's still on Twitch. As far as Okay. Um, okay. Then I'm confusing him with somebody else. But what I do know is he's basically a variety streamer. Very popular. Yeah. He did variety for a time. I think he really blew up off Fortnite. That was like his bread and butter for a while. Before that, he played RuneScape and he streamed RuneScape. I didn't watch him for oh. that era, but he had a long his uh his cipher PK. Apparently, the name the PK in his name was Player Killer. So because he couldn't get cipher, <laughs> and so like in RuneScape, he's the, he's the cipher of the Player Killer. Um, and then he went from RuneScape. I think he he may have done a little bit of competitive in RuneScape. That that was a thing back in back then. But he did that. He moved on to For Honor and did that competitively. Um, which that was like a weird game to watch competitively, I thought. But um, he did that. And then after that, he had the Fortnite era, and then that's where he took off. And now he's one of the top creators. Um, and now he does like Warzone and other games and Apex. And he's, yeah, a little more variety now, like you were saying. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, he's a pretty interesting dude. It sounds like he's up to good things. What's he yeah. up to now? So he announced... It's a good question. He announced a, uh, he may put out a YouTube video, um, I guess yesterday at the time recording this, so Tuesday the 25th, um, talking about a new studio he's launching called Oni Studios. And I'm playing the video right now for people watching. Um, essentially, the idea of this studio is it is a creative space for small creators to join, and they will have a whole team of editors and just general business people that will help these small creators not only with their content, but also from a business aspect of how to grow efficiently in the industry um, and how to navigate sponsorships and um, pretty much everything that is, uh, that is entailed whenever you start gaining some clout on the web. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's the idea. It's not supposed to be something like, I'm getting an ad. It's not supposed to be something like um, 100 Thieves or it's not like an org by any means. Um, but it is essentially just a content hub um, that creators can go to. So he's providing the editors for the studio, and it's a collaboration effort. Is it kind of like a WeWork spot? I you know don't, what I'm talking about? I don't think I do. So uh, I think they're called WeWorks, or they're basically a big tenant space that has multiple different offices, and it's like, a small business or somebody that's like a content creator or like a one or two three-man shop just all goes into one place and they get like a table or office instead of having to rent an in or lease an entire space mm. they share it with like 10 i don't even know how many people like 10 different yeah. businesses you know right i know what you're talking about it's kind of like individual office space i i think yeah. that is yeah that is the idea so with this with this open with opening the studios he um, I think when I saw an article, he, he ended up purchasing a 30,000 square foot warehouse, I think. And I think that's part Jesus. of these, that's, <laughs> that is part of the idea is I think he wants to bring in these content creators like on the ground and really give them kind of, I guess, an office space of sense and maybe kind of, you know, work with them. Um, but yeah, from what he said in the video, I know that they're going to have a whole team of pretty much everybody from editors to business people and pretty much everyone that's willing to help with content creation. I don't know, it sounds very interesting. I think, personally for me, I think the idea of like starting off as a small creator and kind of learning as you go is very exciting. And yeah. I almost worry that something like this is going to kind of strip some of that away from a smaller creator and maybe they either will find out quickly they're not interested in something like this or they'll maybe even find out faster and then grow and prosper. Um, I guess it's hard to tell, but... Um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to say I'm hesitant about something like this, but I'm very. I'm going to be following it closely because I really want to see how creators do that end up working with this um, studio space. Yeah, it sounds. Uh, I mean, the studio looks pretty cool from what they're showing right now. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking from like, it sounds like it could be an HR nightmare. Seriously, I you know don't know how they, they're going to do that. <laughs> unless they're doing like a land center kind of deal where everybody has their own streaming rig you know what i mean that's something different but it, from what you've described it seems more like hey we have editors we have a team here you can utilize them just come here and use our stuff 
Yeah. So what's the split? You know what I mean? Like, what's the catch? That's the thing. I mean, there, there's got to be what some I split. Know. I mean, there's got to be something, right? There's got to be. How much, like, how yeah. much you pay for something like this is the uh, real question. Because I'm assuming if you're a smaller creator, you have to pay at some point. Well, there's probably one of two ways that I would go about it if I was him. The first thing I would do is say, like, if you're a small creator and you don't have the money to pay me, don't worry about it. We just get a percentage of, like, whatever. Like, ownership rights, you know? Yeah. Which is, like, could be incredibly costly, but you could also find out whether or not you want to do it right off the bat. And then yeah. the second one's just like you're already relatively established. You have a small to decent following and you just need that extra little push because let's say you're just not good enough when it comes to like editing and producing, but you're just like a heck of a good content creator, you know? Mm -hmm. I could see that being a good idea. Um, where's the warehouse located? Uh, I shouldn't call it a warehouse, but yeah, <laughs> the warehouse. so they bought the space in Austin, Austin, Texas. So everybody's moving to Texas. Yeah, I I heard it was in Austin, and I was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> like it's it's like it everybody like yeah, Texas has become the new California for content creators. I swear. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. And it's I, I mean I think a big motivator is the no state tax. That's probably the biggest motivation. Um, but yeah, everyone's going to Texas, yeah. man. There's other that states in high speed internet. Yeah. What I hear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's other states, though, you know? Or Florida's nice. Maybe even Tennessee. Yeah, I don't think Florida, there's any income Florida's tax. Florida's one. Um, New Hampshire, no income tax. Mm, yeah. The property tax makes up for it, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, you can, North Carolina, though. True, man. The Carolinas, yeah. it's cheap out here, man. It really is. It, it is it cheap. It is super cheap. It is really cheap, man. It's a good place. Yep. I mean, hey, I have fiber and I live in the middle of nowhere. So, you know? It's uh, yeah. it's getting out there. It's getting around. Yeah, I have fiber, and I live in a major city. <laughs> but uh, I got I got options. I got options. A lot of people don't have options. Yeah. Hopefully, in Texas, people do. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, what do you think? I, I mean, I, I'm sure he has good intentions. I'm just thinking. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, he there's a point in the video where he's talking with his wife right here. His wife's the CEO of the company, I believe he says in the video. Um, she actually helped him with his early content creation. I didn't know this. Um, she edited, um, he even describes it. He, she edited one of the most popular Fortnite videos that kind of like blew up whenever he was pers first posting Fortnite content. So she really kind of helped him from, you know, build that channel. Um, so she That's has awesome. A, yeah, so she has, I'm sure she has a good idea of how, um, how to run things and really grow on a YouTube perspective. Um, I don't know. It's, again, I'm very curious to see how this is going to go and what, what they're going to really do with creators and, I'm hoping the best because I mean I think Cipher overall, like from what I've seen, he's he's a really smart businessman, um, and he's really taken YouTube and he is like seriously milked YouTube. Like we're talking, like Mike, we're talking. I think there's like three channels this man, three or four that he has. That's how you got to do it. Two or three, at least two or three of them, he's uploading daily. Not even kidding. Like he has like That's a shorts crazy. channel, his regular channel he uploads daily. I'm pretty sure this second channel he uploads daily. I think, and it's like. Do, and each video gets i mean it's unreal i don't even know if i can view it right now i mean yeah so i mean you can see like each of his videos million views easily every day like he's getting and these are daily uploads and then he has more cypher pk which i think does pretty similar okay not nearly as much but still about like half yeah about still half. a lot i mean daily <laughs> uploads so too I mean, it's crazy i mean twenty six thousand views in less than an hour that yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> and then, yeah, never mind. He has five channels. His main channel, second channel, Cypher Reacts, where he just does reaction content, his shorts channel, and then Cypher Plays. And then he has a channel right. for his dogs. How much streaming does this man do? I, he, I need he, to know. He streams pretty I'm often. i Twitch tracker. Most, I'll tell you right now, most of his content on his YouTube channel is just ripped from his streams. And like he'll that's make, why that's why I'm asking. And the thing he is, has to do that. I mean, yeah, he has to. And he also just makes videos on stream, which is smart. Like just he's, making he's live right now. Yeah, I mean, just making the content while you're live, it's a way to go. I mean, look at this. I at mean, least, yeah, you have to do that. I mean, his reacts channel where he's just reacting to stuff on stream, that's still like at least a couple videos a week. Yeah, and quarter mil. Quarter mil and then Cypher plays, I mean his first channel has like five and a half million subs. Second has a million and a half. And I mean, this is, he hasn't uploaded nearly anything on the Cypher Plays channel recently. 
All right, yeah. so for this month, he's at 208 hours streamed. I mean, it's just unreal, man. This is a... So he uh, streams Monday through Friday. Yeah, I mean... And he has a... I think he has a schedule, too. Like, he posts on Twitter, like, a calendar and everything, showing his days. He's one of the guys, like I was saying, I mean, business first, he is, like, the dude has everything to a T in terms of what he's doing, and I think he has a pretty good idea of where he wants to be. So I'll be interested to see how the whole Oni Studios thing plays out uh, in the coming months. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I'm pretty... uh. I mean, this is pretty fascinating because he's basically, he'll probably end up as like a trendsetter. Yeah, he might. You know? Yeah, I think this could be something great. We'll just have to see. Um, Sheesh. Oh, jeez. Anyway, so that was uh, that. Um, this was, the next article uh, actually comes from Esports Insider, and I know you found this one, Mike. Um, so... It's about esports engine announcing that they are the official broadcast partner of the COD League. Uh, for those that don't know, esports engine also ran the most recent Halo Infinite event in Raleigh, um, and it was a pretty good event, pretty solid production. So um, they announced they're also working on the Call of Duty stuff, which is exciting because I think um, overall they know what they're doing. <laughs> so, um, anyways, what are your thoughts on this, Mike? I mean, it's pretty interesting. I think right off the bat, uh, I know Esports Engine like was originally founded around the MLG period, not around the MLG period. So, I think so. What I'm reading right now is that they were uh, they're founded of the MLG through its acquisition. So, MLG was acquired in 2016, and that is when Esports Engine was founded by. By former execs, Adam and Ryan Thompson. So the main the main objects from Major League Gaming started esports engine. So these guys have been running tournaments since like 2003. <laughs> yeah, and they're well put together. The other thing is we talked about last week is Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard. Major League Gaming was underneath Activision Blizzard. So mm-hmm. through this Microsoft acquisition. I guess they decided to just go with esports engine because they already have that relationship pretty much solidified with uh, Halo. For at least this season, their esports engine is running all Halo events. Mm-hmm. And uh, Face It, which was recently purchased for like half a billion dollars, uh, I can't remember who they're purchased by. Do you remember? Um, ESL, ESL, I think. Which one? Was or it might have been ESL bot Face It. I'll look it up oh, in a second, yeah, but it's pretty fascinating to basically have one major league underneath it. You know, like mm-hmm. esports engine is their business model is essentially to work with the developers in their leagues. So like HCS, CDL now um, is this is basically what their future is going to be is esports engine is going to be the guys that show up on site of the LAN event and then set up all the stations and they'll have like employees there setting operating refereeing um probably even running some of the concessions and like different areas to basically make the place secure and run efficiently uh, raleigh had some hiccups but i think that's more to do with the game itself and less to do with the organizational skills of esports engine mm-hmm. yeah so, definitely yeah i mean this isn't a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination i think there's going to be a lot of potential here yeah I mean, just just the fact that, you know, the CEO and all the high execs, they just, like you said, they've been around forever, so they, they know what they're doing. And I um I saw, I actually saw Adam, because he, um, I was I was on the VIP tour at uh, HCS Raleigh, um, where they took all the VIPs around and showed us, I guess, the production and everything. And Adam was leading the tour on that. Um, and he's a very cool guy, and he was, he was showing everything. They had, um, they had some essentially like broadcast vans at the back of the venue behind some curtains um, that were like on the level of like the NFL in terms of being able to switch and the quality and they, they oh, yeah. went all out for it and it really showed in the production. I think overall it was a, uh, it was really nice. So um, I can only yeah. imagine what they're going to do for the Cod League. I'm excited to see the, uh, the world championship for Halo in Seattle. That's going to be cool. Yeah. Cause oh, you know, they got to go all out. Oh, they got to sure. go all out. They have to, yeah. Like, sell at the arena. We'll have some like 
like crazy setups like CS:GO <laughs> as those giant <laughs> arenas sold out. Yeah, It'd be sick. Computers, oh dude, it's always sick seeing that stuff. Like how the computers are always laid out. I saw, I think maybe been like Valorant tourneys, um, where oh, I know yeah. especially in like around like you know early 2021, I think whenever they're doing some tourneys and seeing the actual uh seeing how the desks were set up they had all the players spread apart obviously but it was like it's like you look and you just see a giant u with like five pcs <laughs> perfectly symmetric lined up on the uh so sick it's really cool <laughs> to see like everyone had space and it's like you have like all this room to like play and stuff <laughs> um so who knows they may do something like that for uh for the uh the worlds for halo i don't know i'm definitely excited for that one we'll see but yeah, no, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, good stuff all around. Good on uh, esports engine. Uh, moving on as we kind of close things out, um, I wanted to kind of double back on some articles from last week. Uh, we've had some, I guess, some closures and just some updates. Um, firstly, Xbox CEO Phil Spencer went on and did a he did an interview with Washington Post. This was the Thursday last week, so it was only the day after we posted the episode. Um, and a couple, of course. Yeah, as always. <laughs> uh, a couple more details came out that I thought were really interesting. Um, in his interview, essentially, he talks, to, of course, goes into detail about, you know, what the acquisition will entail and, you know, some of the stuff we already heard. Um, but he also offered a couple other, I guess, some um, little tidbits that I found interesting. Um, at one point in the article, he talks about uh, what he plans to do with some of the studios that are essentially supporting cod at this point and that's really it um one is called toys for bob it was a studio that works under activision blizzard um they successfully launched uh the game crash bandicoot 4 which i heard was really good um but after that they later got folded into supporting the call of duty games and um i think overall i just have a feeling that the studios probably that wasn't their first choice but they just didn't have a choice <laughs> so oh yeah they're just like yo you're working on cod we gotta get this money baby um, so he goes on, Phil Spencer goes on to say that the, the Xbox team is going to try and talk with the developers and work with the studios, um, to help flesh out a variety of different franchises that are in the Activision Blizzard vault. And again, this, like we discussed last week, all the different IPs they're going to have now. And, um, it's really cool to see, uh, it's, I guess, cool to see from a perspective of like, well, where like Phil Spencer's head's at with this. And it's very much like we want these studios to work on you know stuff they probably want to work on as opposed to just being a support studio so um and that seems to be the route they're taking with that he also um posted a tweet um as well on the 20th of january and said um he had good calls with the leaders at sony recently um they confirmed their intent to honor all existing agreements upon acquisition of activision blizzard and our desire to keep call of duty on playstation they said Sony, he said Sony is an important part of the industry and uh, they value their relationship. Um, probably to no surprise to some because Phil Spencer's just demands like a saint. <laughs> like, and <laughs> yeah. he really wants, he really wants, you know, just, I, I guess, like a union of everything, you know, and there's no reason to keep too, too much exclusivity. But, you know, if they want it for COD, he's willing to oblige and um, really just kind of. I mean, like you said last week, they're winning, right? They don't really need to do too much more. I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts on all this, Mike? Uh, I mean, Phil's, Phil's saying all the all the things you want him to say if you're just a gaming fan. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah, we're just, we just own it now. We want to make sure the studios do what they want and they make good games for the fans. He's like, if you, if you notice, he's not really talking about the profit motive. It doesn't seem like he's writing and doing these interviews to make shareholders happy. No. It seems like he's writing and doing these emails or doing these inter interviews strictly to make the fans like happy and pleased. Like he seems genuine about wanting to go back and play like Crash Bandicoot or like have those experiences that he had as a kid and let like other kids have those experiences. Yeah, ultimately he wants he wants to bring gaming, you know, to a uh, to a broader audience, certainly. Um, and I mean, because I I had listened to some, um, I went back and listened to some of his older interviews he did um, on 
various different podcasts because there was a there was a time, especially like mid last year, where he kind of just went on a whole string of different podcasts and talked about his love for video games and everything. Um, and he did have one quote that really stuck out to me. Um, he said, video games bring communities together. Storytelling can give you a unique perspective that you don't have with your own lived experience. And that really hit me because I think, um, especially for Facts. games, for games for me, like um, the Life is Strange games, personally, I think Dude, those like those hit. games are wild. They are wild, man. But they they really they really hit an emotion in me and they really kind of they made me think like they made me step back and be like whoa like this is weird like i i certainly haven't experienced anything like this but i can't i can't imagine how many people are kind of living in their shoes you know on a daily basis and it's um it really gives you perspective of like you know how privileged uh, (laughs) i guess uh, i guess you could (laughs) oh yeah i mean it's all about Um, perspective right and it also helps people that are like I mean, video gaming isn't as expensive as it used to be. Yeah. Um, consoles are actually cheaper than they used to be. Like the N64, $100 in the 90s was a lot. Yeah. Like it was a lot of demand. The game prices has not changed really for like 10, 15 years. It's stuck at 60. Yeah. Some games now are free. And like now games launching multiplayer free are getting story modes that are like 25, 30 bucks. Yeah. like a week or two after it's actually been released so because of that people that maybe couldn't afford games can go do some of these stories and have like the opposite effect too where it's just like the last or uh, life is strange is like a crazy like adventure storytelling game that has a little bit of mystery and like uh like psychological thriller to it right it's like a butterfly effect kind of movie yeah. and if you've never been into that world before it's super fascinating but it can have like the opposite effect with people that are like getting stories maybe they can never have like experienced before in their lives right you know yeah and i think and uh that's that's always why personally i think lean towards single player games so much is because i'm just such a fan of a good story and just seeing it's like um like i recently also got into like movies like watching a lot more movies recently um, because I think before I would look at movies as kind of like a waste of time, but like when I really started like going back and watching some of that stuff and like taking in the story and really seeing that artwork and like how that movies are as like an art form, I got oh, yeah. I, I developed a really great appreciation for it, and now I'm like watching movies that you know I just completely blow my mind, and I sit back and I'm like, why didn't I like to do? Why didn't I watch this sooner? You know. It changes your life. It does. For better or for worse, it changes it. Some of some of those movies, some of those games will mess you up. I mean, we were literally talking a couple hours ago. I sent you guys a DM, uh, mm-hmm. you and Nick, about uh, it's just a game, in air quotes. Yeah. It's just a game. And that it's like all of these, it's like a 10-minute video, maybe less, I can't remember, but it doesn't matter. Uh, a 10-minute video of all the different cutscenes from all these different games and like the most dramatic events in the games. Yeah. Like that that BF three, Battlefield three sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love <laughs> yeah. it how you like immediately was just oh. like that mess that messes you up. Yeah, dude, that when it hit me like that scene oh, where yeah. you're in the what is it upside down jeep or whatever in the yeah. bottom of a lake and it's like yeah, forty fifty feet from the surface and like but like they somebody's know, trapped. Yeah, somebody's trapped yeah. won't be able to make it out. But he's just like go without me and it's kind of just like this is literally at the start of the game. You're yep. like what <laughs> like it just yeah. Yeah, what do you do? You you sh- gotta shoot the glass. Yeah, yeah, Otherwise, you, gotta, you die. Gotta make that decision. But yeah, I I think one of the moments that stuck out to me um, with gaming in particular, like one specific game, is that Modern Warfare Two sequence where you go in the airport. Everybody knows it. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Even if you don't even play COD, you know what I'm talking about, because your choice in the airport is irrelevant. The same thing happens at the end. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and then you find out whether or not you're a good person inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's really uh, what it is. It exactly. messed some people up. Exactly. Um, yeah, man. Video games are, I think, especially if you play the right single-player game, it's just an interactive movie to a certain extent. Um, yeah. And I don't know. It's it's just fun, man. Video games are... I'm always going to love video games, man. I think, I think I speak for you as well. Like It's just a great... Yeah great art form and, I, uh, I feel sad for the people that only play the multiplayer when there's a good story 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Like, like I get it. I get it. Hey, man, the story is not very good, but man, this multiplayer is the best. <laughs> Just like, dude, sometimes I hate the multiplayer, but the story is the best. Yeah. It's like real. so much fun. A good good example of both of those that are unrated is like a Transformers game that I played before. And you would think it was like a ripoff of the movies. I think it was War for Cybertron. And there's a trilogy and I had all three. Those games and multiplayer was the best because it was like the fall of Cybertron. Like mm. I don't know if you know anything about like Transformers, but that like was amazing. And I didn't read any of the comics ever. I only watched the movies. Yeah. And I watched the movies for the for the cars <laughs> so it's like it was a really cool interesting take you know yeah definitely but anyway man this uh phil spencer i think is trying to strike that um strike that iron and really get some good stories back oh, into yeah. the back into the industry so i am yeah. beyond excited for this and what I, i'm particularly excited for what like 2023 to like 2025 is gonna bring because i think that's gonna be where we really see like the fruits yeah. of the labor they're about to um go under for this so i think yeah i think 2025 yeah where it's gonna be the where year. microsoft takes the helm and he basically says like all right guys you don't have to be forced to make the cash cow happy like world of warcraft <laughs> even yeah world of warcraft or cod or starcraft you don't have to do that just do what you want to do yeah. Get back to the basics. Make some art. Make a good story. Yeah. Maybe Express even, yourself. Yeah, I mean, maybe even some new IP. I mean, I think yeah. it's always it's always welcome, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm um, I'm tired of playing the same games over and over again. I want variety. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, th- maybe, I think uh, I think it's will bring that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, great little follow up, I guess, from last week. This is gonna be. This acquisition is, I think, always going to be a developing story, and until the day they close, it's probably going to be something new every other week, at least. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah, we will... Everybody's talking about the the acquisition, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's the biggest transaction that's happened in the gaming industry. I mean, maybe even a broader... Ever. <laughs> yeah, maybe even ever. Like, it's unbelievably huge. Um, 60, 68 billion. I, like, still, like, it's insane to me but yeah that's nuts it's, it's unreal man um one more little follow-up from last week uh valve this is actually today this was earlier today um at the time of recording this valve announced that the steam deck is going to be for sale starting february 25th so um it is the 26th of january as we record this so yeah. a little under a month month yeah um the way they're doing it they even announced this on the blog it's uh a reservation um i guess like system they're using uh so on february 25th you should um people who registered will receive an email and then i think within three days they can um fulfill the order and then once the order is ready um it'll start to ship out i think it's here it starts shipping yeah shipping out the 28th so pretty quickly after uh if you get in one of the first reservations um it seems now though they mentioned in this article as well um they're letting you reserve steam deck for five dollars on the site um but you could be waiting a while because the order page currently says that you can expect the order to arrive after q2 2022 if you order now (laughs) so no surprise there um they did they did also mention though that they are uh their goal is to release um a new batch every week i think um how big those batches will be on a weekly basis who knows but I don't know. What do you think? What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I would. I mean, as a consumer, I'm pro- I'm gonna wait to watch the reviews first, so it doesn't really concern me. But for like people that are really excited about this, I think I think some people would just rather wait until they have like a big stock pile, you know? Yeah. That that way they don't have to reserve it. But I guess I guess it's a good idea to announce it beforehand so that people uh, know what to expect when they try to hit that purchase button. Right. Yeah. Um, we'll certainly uh, see how it goes. I'm interested to see the reviews too. Um, if you missed it last week, we discussed the stream deck pretty much in full from what we know so far from spec list to pricing. Um, so all those details were in last week's show. Make sure you catch that if you missed it. 
Um, but yeah, February 25th, it's coming out. It's uh, pretty interesting stuff. Um, yeah. I'm excited to see it. See it in action, I'm especially def- with a wider variety of games. Cause I think last week exactly. was like, well, the last week was like, what, three games I had FPS counts for or something? Yeah, like three or four, and there were really high-end games, yeah. which I don't think people are going to be wanting to play high-end games on a, essentially a handheld. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. What's the frame rate on Minecraft? <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Um, I guess one more little, one more little story I'll just add in here. Um, that I saw today. Um, Halo news, Halo update, ding ding ding. I don't know if we'll probably won't do something every week on Halo, but um, they did announce today that <laughs> if you are playing competitive, if you happen to be playing competitive Halo by chance, listening to yeah. this, listening to the show, uh, you may have heard that Behemoth CTF has been removed from the rotation. Finally, after what a month of us asking, because it's been certainly a month since Raleigh. And I know oh yeah, there's a lot of things everybody's been asking for. <laughs> uh, to say the launched. least, to say the least, they finally responded to that. So hey, better late than never, I guess. I'm not gonna dog on them too much. Um, but it's certainly... not necessarily gone forever, though. Behemoth CTF. They were saying that mm-hmm. they're going to revisit the map and game type and uh take it out for now and maybe bring it back yeah so i know it's available. it is what it is yeah i know it's available in other modes still i believe they said but yeah they are gonna they were revisiting that map so i don't know what they're about to do with it but at least it's out for now and that's what the community wanted so yeah. they're listening um anyways i mean unless you had anything last minute to cover mike i think that was it for me this week I, yeah, I think we pretty much covered everything. I think for next week, we have uh, the Halo trailer for the actual TV series to talk about. Um, and we should have a good list of the games that are going to be coming out for February. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because so. next week is the start of the month. So it Yes, is, uh, it is. Yeah, so we'll be listing yes. out the games. Next Friday, I mean, just to get one announcement out there, I think next Friday is um, going to be the new Dying Light game, Dying Light 2. I think that comes out next Friday. It's the 4th. I believe so. Right at the start of the month, that'll be a brand new game. Perfect. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, Dying Light had a lot of hype behind it. Yeah, definitely. And I think the second one has certainly been delayed. I think it was originally supposed to come out spring of twenty one. Then it got delayed to like October, yikes, December, and now February. But it's finally coming out. So allegedly, um, that's a lot of consoles to come out on, though. Here's the crazy thing. I guess I mean, we're going to be seeing the Steam. Uh, I almost said the the Stream Deck, um, <laughs> the Steam Tablet, yeah, on Steam. one of those lists as well. Yeah, maybe. Uh, we'll see. Um, there was a. I saw a pretty interesting tweet they actually put out for this. I don't. I maybe can find it. If I can't find it soon, I'll just leave it be. But it essentially broke down. The um the number of hours this game was going to be, um in terms of completion, how long it was going to take, and it was some ridiculous number. It was like in the hundreds or something. I don't even remember. Let's see, come on, I know I can find it. Hopefully, it's not repetitive though. Where did, oh, here it is. Here it is. So yeah, so they 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 released this. So dying like twenty two hours. Humans. 20 hours time needed to complete the main story. 80 hours would be needed to finish the main story and all the side quests. And then 500 hours to, I guess, complete everything. To have a 100% completion. Checking every place on the map. Every dialogue. Finding every collectible. Everything. It's a big game. There's so many games coming out that I need to play. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it takes so much yeah. time. I mean, this thing, too. What's really cool, they announced, too, recently. I saw, um, I mean, this game, of course, is co-op. So I think it's four-player co-op. Um, okay, and I think the epilogue, the prologue, and the epilogue. I think they're incorporating. I don't know. I think the epilogue doesn't is, isn't going to be involved in co op because the way the first one worked is you'd have to play like the first hour epilogue solo, and then after that you can invite friends. And I think oh, okay. they're doing something similar for this. However, um, the for the prologue they're doing something similar, and then for the the ending of the game, it can actually it's going to have I guess co op paths, so you can actually play all the way through with uh friends after the uh opening part that's good i think we've been missing that in a lot of games yeah 
Yeah. I haven't really seen that in a long time. Yeah, I mean, it made me, um, it made me kind of think of Halo and Halo Infinite and how they're going to do that campaign co-op. And I think especially for the opening sequence, I, I couldn't see how they would do it. So it'd probably be something similar of like you get through the first part and then once you get to the open world part, it's probably going to be co-op. Yeah. We'll wait and see. I think that's probably the way to do it for most of these kind of more open world games anyway. Um, but the first Dying Light was a lot of fun and uh, I still haven't completed it. So I may try and get some, get some friends here soon and go back and finish that um, before 2 because I really do want to play 2. I don't know. I may wait and see if I can get a group of people to run two with before I actually play it. Yeah, I might get in there. No. I mean, that sounded like an invitation, so <laughs> let's just more assume. Than, you're more than welcome, Mike. All right, listen. We'll get that time in. All right. I think that, that, I think that was finally it. I don't think I got anything else. Yeah, Any I, think, uh, I think we covered this week's episode, episode three of the M2 podcast. I'm your host, Mad Mike. You can find me on any social media under the handle Mad Mike Leachu. And Kyle is yeah. the other co-host. Yeah. Where can they find you? You can find me anywhere, either Kyle Heath, Mr. JK Heath. Um, pretty much Mr. JK is the best way. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, all links should be in the description. So, every platform that you could possibly think of, including YouTube. So, video formats on YouTube. M2 Podcast. And that pretty much wraps it up. That does it. Bye, everyone. All right. Thanks for watching. Signing off. Thanks.